three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Wednesday night's game versus Celtics. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get a chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. Segments will include my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, things to keep an eye on moving forward, and more. Before we get started with this one, I want to encourage you to go listen to our episode with Keith Smith that dropped Wednesday morning, where we talked about the Marvin Bagley III contract, Detroit Pistons cap space, and all the NBA trades made at the deadline. We also dropped some very exciting news at the beginning of that episode about the future of the Motor City Hoops podcast, which I'm going to spoil just a little bit right now if you haven't yet listened to that episode. Myself, along with Wes Davenport, will be teaming up with the Detroit Free Press and Pistons beat writer Omari Sankofa II to start a new podcast called The Pistons Pulse. The trailer and podcast feed for that podcast should be out first thing Thursday morning, so please go ahead and check that out and subscribe so you don't miss the first or any episodes. I will continue to pass along information and reminders on Twitter, at Motor City Hoops, so make sure you are following us and our final episode, two episodes of the month, which will end up being the final episodes for the Motor City Hoops podcast. We cannot thank all of our listeners enough for your support, and we really, really hope you will follow us to the new podcast dropping March 1st. The Pistons Pulse brought to you by the Detroit Free Press. Please check out the beginning of Wednesday's episode with Keith Smith for all the details. Now, I'm sorry for all that, guys. Let's get into the Pistons game on Wednesday night. A win over the Celtics, 112-111, moving the Pistons to 13-45 and on the year, but more importantly, sending them into the All-Star break with a win. Instead of a nine-game losing streak, they get a win going into that All-Star break, a much-needed win, and it was an exciting one. I'll be honest, guys. I will be 100% honest with you. You guys know that I am. I was not thinking that this game was going to be necessarily very close. I didn't think the Pistons, the, the, the Celtics are in an eight-game, or excuse me, the Celtics are on a nine-game winning streak coming into this game, the hottest team in the NBA. They were without Marcus Smart and Robert Williams, but still, they had Brown, they had Tatum, they had White, Grant Williams, and Al Horford, who played major roles in this game on Wednesday night, and the Pistons were just neck and neck. I think there was all sorts of ties and lead changes, um, t- almost 20 of each or right around 20 of each. Celtics were playing the second of a back-to-back. They had blown out the sex. They had blown out the Sixers on Tuesday night. Let's get into this first quarter. Cade Cunningham immediately gets his first foul less than a minute into the game on Jason Tatum. I thought the matchups at the beginning of this game were interesting. And then he gets his second on the very next possession. I love that Dwayne Casey kept him in the game. So Cade stayed in the game, plays until about the three, four minute mark without picking up his third. I think that was a huge thing he has to learn to do. Maybe not the beginning of games in the future, but late in games in the future. Now the foul trouble, we'll talk about that later in general. Pistons scored the ball really well the first six minutes. Bay was making shots. He had a great game. Grant made a couple shots. We'll talk about his first half compared to his second half. And then Isaiah Stewart posts up. And I do have some breakdown. Isaiah Stewart post-ups. And I do have a breakdown coming on Isaiah Stewart talking about some sneaky ways that he can get involved in the offense. And I think those post-ups are one of those ways. The second six minutes of the first quarter, the scoring shut down for both teams. Have the makings of the quarter where you're happy that you're only down two, 
But, like, I felt like this was a chance for the Pistons to really be up by, like, I don't know, six or eight going into the second quarter. Instead, they are down and down two. The full second unit starts the second quarter. Magruder, part of that with Frank Jackson still out. And then how about Kelly Olynyk? He finally woke up in this game. I've been tweeting about it. I've been talking to people about it. He just hasn't looked good. Maybe he have no fault of his own. The injury, COVID, it's hard to bounce back from those things, especially at 30 years old coming back from an injury. We all know the effects of COVID, but he looked really good in this game. Has an alley-oop to Hami and then a six quick point run that he went on by himself, including an offensive rebound, bang two threes in that stretch. The Celtics make a mini run around the eight-minute mark, and in my head I said, okay, we got to see Cade Cunningham. Coach Casey has to come back with Cade Cunningham, and sure enough, that's what happened. We got some Cade and Marvin Bagley the third minutes together. Didn't necessarily like mean that the Pistons were up 10 going into half, but when the Celtics went on that run, I thought Coach Casey made a good decision putting Cade back in the game. We'll see this in the fourth quarter as well. Pistons are still down four going into half and right to start the second half Cade goes on a 5-0 run he had a really kind of up and down game we'll talk about that a little bit later he had an oppressive move that we'll also talk about in plays of the game and then a step in three in transition where I think he struggled a little bit I've talked about this with Wes about how I think he's still getting his balance in all these shooting situations in transition off screens off the bounce and that was one I really like to see go down for him Sadiq Bey comes out hot as well hits a couple threes and got a steal leading to an Isaiah Stewart layup Sadiq Bey really had just an all-around game tonight the start of the third quarter was much like the first where the Pistons were hot making shots they actually take a five-point lead the Celtics hit two huge threes out of a timeout that that they called there and then Jalen Brown makes a tough layup to kind of keep a run going for them but the second unit plus Sadiq Bey go toe-to-toe with Jalen Brown who had a really nice game in a really big third quarter and it just kept them in it kept the Pistons in it they actually have a one-point lead going into the fourth and man this game got exciting in the fourth quarter Casey brings Cade back to start the fourth so I talked about that there in the the Second quarter where he brought him back. How about in the fourth? He starts him. So Magruder got no rotation in the fourth quarter whatsoever. I thought that was great. You could tell. I felt like that rotation right there, that substitution to me, sent a message. Uh, I don't know that he needs to send a message to the fan base, but maybe the team, like, we're going for the win tonight. You know, usually he'd keep Kate out to about eight minutes. No, he put him back in, played him the whole fourth quarter. Cade knocks down a three on a nice pass from Holly, Homie, followed by a Kelly Olynyk three, and then the Celtics responded. And this one looked a little dear, dire for the Pistons. Celtics go on a 13-0 run behind Grant Williams threes, two of those. And I'm going to talk about Grant Williams when I talk about my biggest takeaways for the Celtics. But Cade makes a momentum-stopping bucket, just a beautiful move. He kind of went isolation, shot fake, step through, finish. They got a stop, a stew bucket, and then Al Horford bangs a three. And like I said, guys like Grant Williams and Al Horford were big for the Boston Celtics tonight. And then how about this? 5-0 Jeremy Grant run cuts the lead to three as the Pistons kept fighting. A Bay three and then a Grant two ties it with just under two minutes to go. And then it was just like kind of big plays. Cade, offensive foul turnover, something he's got to learn from in that moment. Derek White made some huge defensive plays for the Celtics down the stretch. But Stu, that switchable ability that he has, forces a turnover actually on Derek White on the other end. Game stays tied. Cade stripped again by Derek White. Stu misses a huge putback by Sadiq Bay. Put the Pistons up to Hal Horford. 
answers with the three from the corner, gives the Celtics a one-point lead. And then Jeremy Grant just makes an impossible bucket, kind of a mid-range fallaway bucket to take a one-point lead. And that was the last bucket of the game. A double block is what I'll call it from Stu and Cade on Jalen Brown. And then, you know, it looks like the Pistons just have to get the ball in. The Celtics have to foul twice. I think there's around 10 seconds to go. Look like the Pistons would at least, you know, probably have a two, three-point lead and a turnover on a sideline out-of-bounds play, some miscommunication. I know fans are going to crush Casey for not having Cade or Killian throw the ball in in that situation. Not sure I can disagree with that with the fans. Not sure I wouldn't have wanted to see one of those guys throwing in, especially on the first one when the Celtics had to foul yet again a second time before anybody went to the free throw line. But Grant gets a really nice stop on Jason Tatum at the buzzer. Tatum got a decent look, but it was a nice contest from Jeremy Grant, and the Pistons come away with a win. My biggest takeaways, 15 to 24, guys. 15 to 24 from three for Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, Cade Cunningham, and Kelly Olynyk. Just a great night shooting the basketball from those four players. And again, we've talked about that this on the podcast. Sometimes it is a make or miss league. And whenever you go 16 to 30 from the three-point line, you're going to win quite a few games, especially in a game where the Celtics went 13 to 32 from the three-point line. So obviously the Pistons need every one of those and they made those shots. Marvin Bagley the third. I thought he was okay tonight. Me and Wes, again, were texting throughout the game. Like, we saw the good of Marvin Bagley, and we saw the bad of Marvin Bagley the third. He had six points on seven shots, six rebounds, one turnover, really bad turnover where Horford baited him in to go to the baseline over his right shoulder, which he likes to do, and then kind of walled him off. But I think in two games, I think what we've seen, and then my film review, if you haven't checked it out, go check that out on Detroit Bad Boys, is that Marvin Bagley, it's going to be fun to watch him through the next 24 games of the season. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see what we see from Marvin Bagley the third. I think, again, I think he's an engaged defender. We'll see how his awareness comes along. You, We've seen flashes of the skill set. We've seen flashes of the rebounding. It's all about consistency with Marvin Bagley the third. So can we get more consistency throughout the last 24 games of the season? He's played two games here. Now he gets like a week off with the all-star break to kind of acclimate himself a little bit more, learn the playbook, all those type of things. And I'm really interested to see what we see from him, the final 24 games. And like I mentioned in the intro, if you have any confusions about his contract situation, go listen to that episode from Wednesday morning with Keith Smith. He outlined it perfectly for you guys. It cleared up a lot of things for me as well. Jeremy Grant, he's not going to be one of the three players of the game. He probably should be. I wanted to fit a third guy in there who I thought really had a nice game as well and wanted to give him some love. But So I put Jeremy Grant in my biggest takeaways because in his first half, I didn't think it was great from Jeremy Grant. We saw some isolations. We saw him not being able to make plays out of those isolations. And like he, he really wasn't creating opportunities or, or advantages for the Pistons because I, they weren't doubling him to create advantages. And then he wasn't really able to create for himself with the matchup he had. So it wasn't really mismatches in this game. But here's what I'll say. In the second half, that was perfect Jeremy Grant for what we need to see. He ends up with 24 points on 13 shots. He makes four threes. He did take one transition one off one pass. I was fine with it. I was okay with that because it was a little bit of a heat check one. He had made a couple. Go ahead and and, and get yours in that situation, Jeremy Grant. Only two rebounds. Three assists, one turnover, two steals, some really nice defense. But again, I'm not. 
I'm kind of getting tired, and I'm sure you guys are well as well about talking about him being more of a rebounder. I just don't know that it's going to happen. But what he did scoring-wise, offensively-wise, in the second half, if that's what he can be, we saw him on a couple cuts, getting uh, dump-offs from Cade Cunningham, catch-and-shoot threes. I love that. Really nice second half from Jeremy Grant. Three players of the game, as always. Number one, Cade Cunningham. An inefficient, admittedly inefficient, 20 points on 22 shots. Only got to the free throw line twice. Talk more about that later. Eight boards, six assists. He did have five turnovers. Here's what I'd say. This is the kind of game from Cade where I think you see what the potential is. You can see it. There's some games this year I think you watch and it's kind of hard to see like the face of the franchise type player. This is a game where I think you watch and you can see that type of player in him when he gets more efficient. He created some really nice opportunities at the rim that he rimmed out, some opportunities in the mid-range. I have one specifically, he got wide open shot at the elbow and he missed it, but you saw the rebounding, you saw the assists, you saw him make some really nice plays late in the game, and then you saw him turn it over late in the game when Derek White took that charge on him. He had a really nice defensive play late in the game. So it was one of those games where you kind of saw everything from Cade, but I think you could see the vision for the type of player that a lot of us think he's going to be. Sadiq Bey, unbelievable tonight. That's absolutely unbelievable tonight. 20 points on 13 shots, 5 threes, 11 boards, 6 assists, no turnover. Unbelievable game from Sadiq Bey on Wednesday night against the Celtics. I thought he was good defensively. He just was really, really good. You know, again, this is the Sadiq Bey we need to see. You know, some nights it'll be 13 shots. Some nights it might be nine. Some nights it might be 20, depending on how the defense is playing him. And tonight he was extremely efficient and on the boards, even had six assists. Great game from Sadiq Bey. Cannot say that enough. And then Kelly Olenek. This may be the spot where some fans would probably say this should be Jeremy Grant. And I understand it. But KO, after having a real rough stretch, he's had one good game since he's returned. That was the first game back when the Pistons actually beat the Kings. So maybe KO playing well is the X factor in, in all of this. But he has 15 points on eight shots, six boards. You can just see him moving well. He did still have four turnovers. I really wish he would eliminate those. But you could just tell that he was moving better, had a little bit more energy. Plays of the game, I got a few for you here. And it does start with Kelly Olenek, knocks down an early second quarter three on a beautiful baseline pass from Killian Hayes, and then knocks one down on the next possession where he created an extra possession with an offensive rebound. And I just thought that was huge for him. I was really excited for him. Cade, pick and roll lob to Marvin Bagley the third, Jumpy jump, as Laz Jackson from Detroit Bad Boy likes to say. Like, even, like, Bleacher Report, ESP, like, I don't know the last time I got um, notifications from them during a Pistons game about a lob, and you could just see all of Pistons Twitter exploding whenever that happened. I think this was the thing people were most excited about with Marvin Bagley the third, and we got a little taste of it there before the All-Star break. Cage's first bucket of the second half may have been his most impressive. He gets in a ball screen, gets the defender behind him, keeps him in jail. Keeps him in jail. Keeps him in, like he's just patient and patient and patient, trying to see what the drop coverage uh, post guy was going to do. He never comes, eventually finishes with his left hand. Like it's really hard to describe on the podcast. Like you have to go check it out. I'll probably tweet it out tomorrow. Just a beautiful possession there from Cade Cunningham as he had his defender in jail. And then I think maybe the shot of the night, probably not. Jeremy Grant's bucket was was, was the shot of the night because it was the game winner. But Bay had a huge step back three. Um, at the shot clock expiring with a little over two minutes to go that cuts the lead to two. That was a huge bucket. I believe there was like three seconds on the shot clock. Pistons had sideline out of bounds. 
throw it into Bay, and it's just one of those tough shots, kind of like the game winner he had earlier in the year, and he nailed it, and that was a huge shot. That was one I hope people don't overlook. Even though Grant had the game winner, Pistons aren't in the game if Sadiq Bay doesn't make that one. I have a few things to keep an eye on. Kelly Olynyk post-All-Star break. I know I've already talked about this a little bit, so I won't spend too much time on it, but we finally got a glimpse of the Kelly Olynyk. I think Troy Weaver probably thought we would see, Dwayne Casey, everybody, even fans thought we would see when he was signed. We got like, what, 10 games at the beginning of the year, and then we just haven't seen the version of Kelly Olynyk we all thought we would until tonight. And I just think that that really helps the second unit. I know it's not all about wins, but it helps everybody grow. Speaking of the second unit, I'm very, very intrigued by this second unit if they can stay healthy and stay together. And I just am really interested to see how all the moving parts play out. KO likes to initiate offense. Homie likes to grab and go. So where does that leave Killian Hayes? One of the the positives of Killian Hayes in the second unit is he gets to have the ball in his hands. He kind of gets to run the show. Well, if KO's dribbling it up or Homie's grabbing and going, then he doesn't get to do that. You have a little bit of shooting with KO and Frank Jackson. You have the athletes with... Marvin Bagley III and Hamadou Diallo. I just really like this second unit, but I'm interested to see how it meshes. We've talked about how are they going to mesh the first unit with the second unit as you know the substitutions happen. But when you we know Coach Casey's going to play 10 guys, and we know that the second unit's going to play all together for probably eight to 10 minutes a night win fully healthy. And I'm really interested to see how successful that second unit can be. Because honestly, other than Kelly Olenek, that's four guys. Those other four guys are all like, are these future pieces of this organization, you know, trying to figure those things out and answer that question. So I think it's going to be a really fun second unit to watch moving forward. Isaiah Stewart post touches. I, I touched on this earlier. Again, I'm working on an article outlining some different ways he can contribute offensively. That's not just become a better shooter become more explosive and a lob threat. Just some other ways, and I think this is the one that he has the best chance of. And they don't have to be set plays. I don't think any of the ones tonight were like Coach Casey calling Isaiah Stewart's number with a set play for him to get a post touch. It was after an offensive rebound. It was in transition. It was after a ball screen, and he got the right mismatch. Like Those things are important, and I think it's important for Isaiah Stewart. He's an energy guy, and he does the dirty work and the underappreciated work. But even those guys want to touch the ball every once in a while. All of us have played this game, and I believe I've said this on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again. We've all played the game, and you just know you feel more involved, you feel valued, and you play with more energy when you touch the ball every once in a while. I'm not saying that we should throw it to Stewart in the post 15 times a game, but why not once or twice a quarter? Let the man touch the ball. He's not bad down there. We'll see what it looks like if people start to double him, but I would really like to continue to see that from Isaiah Stewart and the Pistons. Final thing here, Cade Cunningham and the foul trouble. He's got to get better. I think it's going to be interesting. The matchups, um, the one at the beginning of this game with the Celtics, was kind of interesting to me. He does have active hands, but it's the pros and cons. Like, yeah, he can cause some turnovers, but then he can also cause him to get in foul trouble. Uh, you know, we've seen this with Killian Hayes this year. I thought last year even more so, you know, before he went down with his injury early in last season, you saw him getting in foul trouble. They're just so active with their hands. And so I just think it's something I really want to see Cade Cunningham learn from. He's not learning from it as quick as what I thought, maybe. Like his second foul was pretty not ideal tonight for Cade Cunningham. And so it's just something I'd like to see him learn from quicker. And then also not getting calls. Just touch on that real quick. I tweeted out last year when early in the season when I didn't feel like Jeremy Grant was getting calls that Coach Casey needed to get a T kind of advocating for him, like purposely go after the refs, like team me up. 
but you're going to start giving my guy some calls in these situations. And I, I wouldn't hate seeing Coach Casey do that coming out of the all-star break for Cade Cunningham. Some quick thoughts on the other team. Derek White, that was kind of their move at the deadline, acquired him. Again, this is something we talked a lot about with Keith Smith on Wednesday's episode. Is He's a guy that follows the Boston Celtics very closely. His defense is as advertised. He made some huge plays defensively for the Celtics, as I talked about as we went through that fourth quarter. And he made some big buckets in the third quarter for the Celtics when the Pistons were trying to make a run. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like this is no news to anybody, but man, those guys can score the basketball. Jalen Brown had 31 tonight on 21 shots. Tatum had 22 on 15 shots. And they were really, really good, which makes the defensive effort at the end of the game by the Pistons all that more impressive. And then how about what they got from Al Horford? Still being productive, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. And then Grant Williams with a really nice night for the Boston Celtics. I'll, I'll be honest. I did not realize he was the shooter that he is. He's 4-7 or seven from 3 tonight. Every time he shot it, seemed like it was going in. And, and I was not aware of that. I'm very much aware now. But Grant Williams can really shoot it. He had 17 points tonight for the Boston Celtics as well. So again, while they were hurt with depth with no Robert Williams or Marcus Smart, they still put out a pretty good lineup there that the Pistons went against and were able to get a win. Um, obviously their depth was hurt because of that. And so that was one other thing that was kind of interesting to me. They only played eight guys. And I think that's the difference between a contender and a non-contender. Two of their rotation pieces were out. So they only played eight guys. They didn't really substitute anybody in for them in the rotation. I realize Frank Jackson isn't the level of those guys. Frank Jackson's out for the Pistons, and we saw Rodney Magruder get his minutes. Now, again, as I alluded to to start the fourth quarter, Coach Casey went away from that, and you can see him really trying to win a game. But I just think it's telling that like a contender has a couple guys out. Ah, we'll just shrink the rotation down. The Pistons almost always play a 10-man rotation. I'm not saying it's bad or good or I have an overwhelming thought on it. Just thought it was something to note. A look ahead. Pistons had eight losses to start February, but a big win, as I said, on Wednesday night after going seven and nine in January. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of momentum they can bring from this as they come back from the All-Star break. They get eight days off with the All-Star break. They return on February 24th versus the Cavs. Then they get the Celtics again and then the Hornets. So not necessarily an easy stretch coming out of the All-Star break. I know the Hornets have struggled as of late. Um, but, you know, put it to the Pistons pretty good earlier this week with, as a team that can really score the basketball, scored 141 points in that game. So Cavs, Celtics, Hornets coming out of the break. And then honestly, guys, March doesn't look a whole lot easier. All the much more reason to celebrate this win on Wednesday night. All-Star Weekend is coming up. We will have a kind of a recap with that with Sham Mahill of Detroit Bad Boys. On Monday, we'll record with him Monday night, dropping Tuesday morning. Cade Bay and Stewart in the Rising Stars Challenge. I'm really intrigued by this new setup. I'm, I'm really excited to watch this. Um, hasn't always been a game I've been super excited about, but this year it is with kind of the new setup, so I'm interested to see that. Obviously with three Pistons, three young Pistons in the game, um, or the, the tournament, I guess, it will be really fun to watch. And then Cade is also in the Skills Challenge as well. And I just think... Wes brought this up, so I want to give him credit for this. That's really cool for those guys that they got this win so they can go into All-Star break and really enjoy it. Like, if they're on a nine-game losing streak going into All-Star break, like, I, I think it's probably hard as a competitor to enjoy things quite as much. I know it's still one win. I know they've only won 13. I get it. I'm not trying to go overboard here. But at least they can feel good about something going into the All-Star break and maybe allow them to go enjoy it just a little bit more. 
As always, I want to thank my guy, Wes Davenport, for everything he does for me and Motor City Hoops. And again, Wes will be making the move with us to the new podcast, The Pistons Pulse. I think it's out right now, guys. Go find the feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the trailer. Go ahead and subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do. And we're really excited about this first episode dropping March 1st with Omari Sankofa the second as my co-host and backed by the Detroit Free Press. There was no way I was going to leave Wes behind, guys. I had a few people reach out today. There was no way. That was a non-negotiable whenever I first spoke with the Detroit Free Press about this. Wes is coming with Motor City Hoops. And Motor City Hoops will be back on Tuesday morning with guest Shamo Hill, as I said, of Detroit Bad Boys, at Shams Sham God on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon.